This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I would like to welcome you to a special one-week series on the intersection of King Arthur and his roundtable and compliance. The month of August 2018 has been the anniversary of my 1,000th podcast. Over this month, I have been putting on special one-week series on the intersection of compliance and topics. We've taken a look at Sherlock Holmes. We've taken a look at Shakespeare. We've taken a look at ethical culture, and we've considered and we've considered the future of internal audit, analytics, and compliance. So, as part of this special series, I'm going to take a look at one of my favorite characters in literature, King Arthur, and how King Arthur can inform your compliance program. This special series, King Arthur, His Roundtable, and Compliance is a special series of the Compliance Podcast Network. Part 2, The Pentecostal Oath and Your Code of Conduct. One thing for which King Arthur is remembered are his chivalric knights. He helped create this legend in large part by establishing a code of conduct for the knights of the Round Table. The king required each of them to swear an oath called the Pentecostal Oath, which was Arthur's ideal for a chivalric knight. The oath stated, The king established all his knights and gave them that there were lands not rich. He gave them lands and charged them never to do outrageously nor murder and always to flee treason. Also, by no mean to be cruel, but to give mercy unto him that asketh mercy. Upon pain of forfeiture of their worship and lordship for King Arthur forevermore. And always do ladies, damsels, and gentlemen succor upon pain of death. Also, that no man take no battles in a wrongful quarrel for no law, knee for no world's goods. Unto this were all knights sworn of the round table, both old and young. And every year they were sworn at the high feast of Pentecost. Interestingly, the oath first appeared in Sir Thomas Mallory's La Mort de Arthur, in order <coughs> in and in none of the prior incarnations of the legends. In Mallory's telling, after the knights swore the oath, they were provided titles, lands by the king. The oath specified both positive and negative conduct, that is, what a knight must do, but what also a knight must not engage in. The Pentecostal oath forms the basis for the knight's code conduct at Camelot and beyond. It is clearly a forerunner of today's corporate code of conduct. The foundational document of any compliance program is its code of conduct. The requirement has long been memorialized in the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines, which contain seven basic compliance elements that can be tailored to fit the needs and financial realities of any given organization. From these seven compliance elements, the Department of Justice has crafted its minimum best practices compliance program which is now attached to every deferred prosecution agreement and non-prosecution agreement. These requirements were incorporated into 2012 FCPA guidance, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. The U.S. Sentencing Guidelines assume that every effective compliance and ethics program begins with a written standard of conduct, i.e. a code of conduct. So what should be in your written standard of conduct? Well, Under Element 1 of the Sensing Guidelines, entitled Standards of Conduct, Policies, and Procedures, an organization should have an established set of compliance standards and procedures. These standards should be not only a paper 
only document, but a living document that promotes organizational culture and that encourages ethical conduct and a commitment to compliance with applicable regulations and laws. In the FCPA guidance, the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission stated, a company's code of conduct is often the foundation upon which an effective compliance program is built. As the DOJ has repeatedly noted in its charging documents, the most effective codes of conduct are clear, concise, and accessible to all employees and to those conducting business on the company's behalf. Indeed, it would be difficult to effectively implement a compliance program if it were not available in the local language so that employees and foreign subsidiaries can access and understand it. When assessing a compliance program, the Department of Justice and SEC will review whether the company charter has taken steps to make certain the code of conduct remains current and effective and whether the company has a has periodically reviewed and updated its code. In each DPA and NPA over the past 10 years or so, the DOJ has stated as the following item number one for a minimum best practices compliance program. Number one, code of conduct. A company should develop and promulgate a clearly articulated and visible corporate policy against violations of the FCPA, including its anti-bribery books and records and internal controls provisions and other applicable foreign law counterparts, which policy shall be memorialized in a written code. The substance of your code of conduct should be tailored to your company's culture and to its industry and corporate identity. It should provide a mechanism by which employees are who are trying to do the right thing in compliance and in the business ethics arena can do so. The Code of Conduct can be used as a basis for employee review and evaluation. It should certainly be invoked if there is a violation. To that end, I suggest your company establish disciplinary procedures in your Code of Conduct. This would include all forms of discipline up to and including dismissal for serious violations of the Code of Conduct. Further, your company's code of conduct should emphasize that it will comply with all applicable laws and regulations wherever it does business. The the code needs to be written in plain English and translated into other languages as necessary so that all applicable persons can understand it. As I often say, the three most important things about your compliance program are document, document, document. The same is true of communicating your company's code of conduct. You need to do more than simply put it on the website and tell folks it's there, available, and that they should read it. You need to document that all employees and anyone else your code is applicable to has read, received, and understood the code of conduct. For employees, it is important that a representative of the compliance department or other qualified trainer explains the standards set forth in your code of conduct and answers any questions that employees may have. Your company's employees need to attest in writing that they have received, read, and understood the code of conduct And this attestation must be retained and updated as appropriate. What's the value in having a code of conduct? I have heard many business folks ask this question over the years. In the early days, a code of conduct tended to be lawyer-written and lawyer-driven to waive in the defense situation, if needed, by claiming that, quote, see, we have one, end quote. But is such a legalistic code effective? Is a code of conduct more simply your company's laws. What makes a code of conduct effective? What should be the goal in the creation of your code of conduct? These are some of the questions I would ask you to consider in the context of the Pentecostal oath. 
And just as under the Pentecostal oath you were required to swear out each year, you should have your employees recertify their adherence to your code of conduct on an annual basis. Moreover, just as King Arthur set out his expectations for behavior in the Knights of the Round Table, you should do so for your company employees as well. This is Tom Fox. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of King Arthur, his roundtable, and compliance. And now a word about our sponsor, Converge 18, hosted by Conversant. As you know, this last year has publicly brought ethics to the center of business reputations worldwide. With the acceleration of the speak-up culture and organizational accountability that social media is enabling and amplifying, companies need to incorporate integrity into every level of their organization. Converge 18 is helping organizations to do just that through the ethical transformation of leadership. The goal of Converge 18 is to arm you with information, strategy, and tactics to transform your organization going forward. Listeners to this podcast will receive a 50% discount utilizing the discount code TOMFOXVIP. That's T-O-M-F-O-X-V-I-P, all uppercase. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Thanks again for joining me. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. This has been a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.